All of my RPG characters are queer. You're listening to I Am Here. Hello. With Pride Month coming to an end, I wanted to help celebrate and honor the LGBTQ community. To kick things off, I'm going to start off by recommending some of my favorite RPG podcasts that I love that have queer representation. The Unexplored Places, a Monster of the Week actual play. All My Fantasy Children, a prompt-based character generation show. The Magpies, a Blades in the Dark actual play. She's a Super Geek, a one-shot actual play. Blue Dawn, a Dungeon World actual play and Tabletop Potluck, a one-shot miniseries actual play and system discussion show. At the beginning of the month, I asked folks to tell me about their favorite LGBTQ plus RPG characters. If you missed the tweets, I'm really excited to share some of these with you. I asked folks to submit their own stories. We all want to be understood, be accepted into open and loving arms, be a part of a safe community, and most importantly, have our stories heard. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Hazel, Hazel underscore D-A underscore Basil on Twitter and co-creator of Interference, which you can find on Twitter at The Orc Zone. The character I'm going to tell you about is from my home game. His name is Mancone Fleepgood, Mighty Adventurer, TM. He is an insult sword-fighting swashbuckler rogue, keen for adventure and devoted to rescuing his sweetheart, Lilane, from the evil McDug. Unbeknownst to his traveling companions, Mancombe is bisexual. Yes, he loves and has always loved Lilane, who is a woman, but that doesn't stop him from appreciating the masculine side of things. He is my lovely bi boy, and I have a lot of fun playing him. At Aaron underscore Cantano told me about Big Jeremy. Big Jeremy, the Ironmonger's son, a goat man who runs the city of Iron Hill, the home of the beast folk that predate history itself. He is a gentle leader who prefers to lead by example, living a regular life as a hairdresser within the city. He does a surprisingly good job keeping up with the changing trends in fantasy. But when you first walk into the Billy Goat's scruff, you'll see that old poster of cool new Iron Hill hairstyles from aeons ago. Hi, my name is Ryan Bolter, and my favorite character I have ever played out of all of my characters would have to be Mishra, hands down. This was for the game system Heroes Unlimited by Palladium Books, which is a superhero RPG that takes place on modern Earth. Mishra was a feline alien from a world called Felinar Prime, who crashed on this planet when she was very young. Her entire race has a natural combat ability, uh, amongst some other abilities, and she had short black fur over her entire body and wore an all-black, form-fitting anti-gravity suit, which allowed her to fly as well. She was a powerhouse. Surviving on Earth was tough for a while, since most people assumed she was a mutant animal, and most were prejudiced towards mutant animals in this society. Eventually, a woman named Amy befriended her and took her in, and they quickly became friends. It was during this time that Mishra fell hard for Amy, but never had the courage to tell her. One other thing about Mishra's species was that they were all considered to be pansexual. 
uh, love was love to them, even interspecies relationships due to them being a space-faring civilization. So Mishra's love for Amy was perfectly natural for her, but she knew humans were not so open-minded usually, so she never told her how she felt. Fast forward to the end of Mishra's journey. She comes home one day and Amy is missing. The apartment is ransacked, and we figured it was the main bad guy of the adventure, a wizard, that took her. Mishra begged the group to go save Amy with her, but they said it was too dangerous. Even the GM warned me, out of character, that she would probably die if I went there alone. But I knew Mishra would have made the decision to go, so she did. She invaded the abandoned school, flying through the halls when she finally found Amy chained to the wall in a janitor's closet. Mishra cut her down, and just as they were about to leave, Amy turned into a demon. She fought hard and was winning before the wizard showed up as well. He started casting a spell, so Mishra threw a shuriken at his throat to stop him from speaking the words. But I rolled a 12, even with all my bonuses, and it stuck in his armor spell. The next action was his, and he finished the spell which cast Time Cone on Mishra. Time froze for her, even with a spectacular saving throw on her part. When she was frozen in time, he threw more spells at her, which effectively killed her. Later that night, the wizard paraded Mishra's body in front of the other heroes while Amy was strapped to an altar. The heroes won the battle and saved Amy, but it was way too late for Mishra. I never found out what happened to Amy afterwards. She went off on her own, so I wrote a short story covering how Amy dealt with the trauma of losing her best friend in such a way, especially considering that she died trying to save her. Hit me up at Lord Neptune on Twitter if you're interested in reading that short story. Also, you can check out Character Creation Cast Series 2, where I actually recreated her in the Masks role-playing game system. Thanks for listening. At Bree CS told me about Bo Taggart. My current character in my game Turn is Bo Taggart, who is this buff, manly-as-fuck professional hunter who can turn into a cougar and is also super-duper gay for his best friend Diego, who loves him back, and it's super romantic. He's been coming out to friends and family. Hello, my name is the River's Lost Seeking, and I am a sea witch, and I love hand grenades. Um, I came to Duskfall... Um, when I met my girlfriend Paris, she wasn't my girlfriend at the time. She was on a boat in the ocean, and I found her, and I stole her hat. And then we came here, and she got me close, and we went on adventures, and we do crimes now, and it's real fun. And I make a lot of friends, and I blow up a lot of things, and it's real good. It's a real good life that I'm making with Paris and yep I am a lesbian sea witch and I am here picking favorites not easy got a lot of favorites but um, I have to say uh, one of the characters that has a really special place in my heart is the character of Janice Greer uh, who is played by the amazing Toby Hellmeyer on the Writing Alchemy podcast. And Janice Greer is a character from a Monster Hearts game that we played called Welcome to the First Responders Training Program and a continuation game that we just recorded that I haven't named yet. And she's amazing. So she's a... 
bisexual, mixed race, trans woman who's a ghoul, which for those who don't know Monster Hearts, is a type of undead which has a hunger. And her hunger is for, like, vengeance. And I think that there's just something so beautiful about how Toby put this hunger that Janice has together, because this hunger is for, like, this really petty form of vengeance so like um if someone's like mean to someone else she might like cut in front of them in the lunch line and it's just this glorious thing that really like opens the door to really getting into some really real stuff while at the same time brings with it this amazing sense of humor and just like like, I don't know, like off the wall kind of ridiculousness to it that they just kind of both coexist together. And and I really love that. I think one of the things that personally means so much to me about this combination is that for myself, as a person with anxiety, I personally have a really hard time with some of the more like serious, intense sort of storytelling. So I really end up kind of being in this, like most of the storytelling in my life is like lighter stories because that's what I can handle. But I really want stories that can do that and also delve into real things, really go there. And it doesn't always have to go there. It can sometimes just be silly, but just to have that potential, just to have those moments where it really touches on these these other things, like touching on ableism and touching on like maybe bullying and the fact that they're there, that they're being touched, that that there's moments where we really go into those things. And it's also hilarious. <laughs> that's just that's amazing to me. I love it so much. I want all the stories to be like that. At C. Previs told me about Bren. My favorite NPC from the last D&D campaign I ran was a non-binary half-elf ranger named Bren, who was accidentally immortal and had a stone golem companion, and I miss them dearly. Hi, my name is Josh, and I run the podcast Nerdy People Play D&D. The character I'd like to talk about is uh, Sir Salivarius, who is a uh, level 4 tiefling paladin of the Oath of the Ancients. Originally, I kind of had him as a bard and changed him into a paladin due to a, um, a, a casting change, and I came to really, really enjoy this character. Um, he was kind of a joke to start with, um, and he became a character that I really, 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 really liked to play. Um, he was, he's charming, he's witty, he's urbane, he's funny as hell, and he is as camp as Christmas. He is, he is very, very, very bi, and he is just about beauty and attractiveness wherever he can find it and wherever he's accepted. Um, he did make me think more about, I guess, the, the interrelation you'd have between different churches and different faiths, and I don't think that's... I mean, while it's a tiny theme, I don't think it's a bad theme to bring up in a D&D game. Um, thanks very, very much for having me, and um, guys, happy Pride. Hi, my name is Nora Blake. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora, and I want to tell you about Sister Veracity, my D&D 5th edition character. She's a tiefling, 
and she is a paladin who took the Oath of Ancients option. She swore her oath to a convent of Malvice, who is the goddess of nature and fertility and motherhood. But she's not a nun. She's a, she's a paladin. And there aren't a lot of those. She doesn't use a sword. She doesn't carry a we- She carries a weapon. She carries a great sword. It's made of crystal. It's very evil. She took that from her former mentor when she killed her. Uh, her former mentor was a Oathbreaker paladin by the time she died. It was very dramatic. Um, but she doesn't use a weapon. She just uses the spells and, and her shield. She's, uh, she sees herself as more of a shield to aid people rather than a sword to kill evil. She's also extremely gay. Another party member is a somewhat bratty Asimar uh, ranger named Providence. And Veracity has been head over heels in love with her since session one. And at one point, about eight sessions in, uh, Veracity kissed Providence and immediately shut the door so that she didn't have to engage with any of the aftermath of that situation. They still haven't talked about that or brought it up at all. (laughs) And it's been several sessions since then. She has struggled a lot with faith because she doesn't know whether she believes in the gods. And the gods aren't really interested in talking much these days, so that easy solution is not really there. But what she's starting to realize is that she does actually have a lot of faith, and it's just as strong as Mother Bree and Sister Blue and all of her other friends back at the Convert of Malvice. But instead of being placed in gods, it's in her friends, and she just loves her friends so much, and she wants to protect them. Uh, she has faith in people, and especially the people closest to her, like Providence. And that's what keeps her going, and that that faith and that love for her fellow people around her is what, uh, is what she fights for. My name is Robbie. My favorite LGBTQ or queer character that I ever played was Denegar Piral, the half-elf bard. He's a trans man and uh, pansexual. He is pretty sexually open and uh, generally a friendly fellow among the spooniest of bards. He left his home because he was a half-elf and in a largely elven society. He never felt quite at home and they never treated him especially well, especially because his uh, father was a thief who was trying to steal from the sort of enclave that he was born into and that his mother is from. And so... He one day was about to be disciplined for probably stealing someone's something. He's kind of a con man. And uh, he managed to trick the guard and slip away and hopped a boat to go across the sea. And um, in his many adventures, ended up becoming a pretty well-renowned figure 
but never really stopped trying to pull one over on somebody and uh, also never stopped flirting with I don't know, most people. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters that I've ever played. Um, you can find me on Twitter at lobster underscore writer. At Emily of Arden told me about Shiree. Shiree, the adorable alien outsider I played in an awesome game of masks on She's a Super Geek, was a super cheerful blue-haired teenage girl who cared so much about her friends and really liked Earth, but just could not understand the human concept of keeping animals as pets. It's often said that our RPG characters are reflections of ourselves. Shiba Hikaru ended up being a reflection of parts of me I hadn't fully processed yet. My college gaming group was part of an expansive Legend of the Five Rings LARP, and I designed Hikaru as the samurai guardian of my friend's blind spellcaster. At this point, I had started cross-dressing, though I was still in the early questioning phases of my gender identity. I designed Hikaru to be an intersex woman to poke at the setting's odd, loose gender roles with heavily enforced arranged marriages. Oh, and to play as a lesbian, because my attraction was one of the few things I was certain of. After a mission where we had to rescue my friend from a smuggling ring, our court was each given personalized gifts by a traveling nobleman as thanks. Hikaru was gifted an ornate hairpin, which I accepted with some hesitation, as she had never considered herself beautiful or worthy of such feminine things. I wasn't even sure if I was role-playing as Hikaru for that moment. Eventually, we found a mysterious healer who restored my friend's eyesight, only promptly have the court whisk her away for marriage now that she was of good health. This left Hikaru alone and very confused, once again having to think of her identity for herself. The healer also approached Hikaru and offered to restore the womanhood she had been missing from birth. That gift I refused, though mostly for unproven suspicions of corrupting blood magic. Looking back at those LARPs, I don't know if the GM intended it, but I think it's rather telling that the aspects of femininity that Hikaru accepted or rejected eventually formed the foundations of my own non-binary identity. I will always be grateful for those games, because they gave me the place to safely explore the boundaries of my own gender. Hello, my name's Morgan Jenkins from the Going In Blind podcast, and I would like to take a moment to tell you about a character that I play in an RPG called Masks. Now, this character looks like a large muscled man, a square jaw like a roofing tile, brown short hair with a dashing wave to it and blue-green eyes, kind of like if Ben Grimm was still human. Of course, the character isn't a large muscular man. She's actually a young woman named Alexandra, who, while sneaking into a power station late one night to tag it, was hit by a strange power surge that put her mind in the body of the security guard she'd snuck past and left her body unconscious. She then confronts a bad guy who was trying to steal the city's power and bests him by grounding him with a chain and beating him up. And she flees, holding her own unconscious body and goes to the nearest hospital. Within the team, she finds it very difficult to tell others about the fact that she is actually a young woman trapped inside the body of a man. And while she can come to terms with it on the day-to-day -day basis that she needs to, it can still destroy her if she's not careful. Aside from her friends helping her battle bad guys, she also has her grandmother, whom she lives across the street from. 
Under this manly guise, she's fixed some stuff around her grandmother's house and helped her with groceries, and due to the state she was in, her grandmother invited her around for food and helps with the washing up and such, caring for this large man with eyes that remind her of her daughter's daughter. Hating the body that she is in, she hurls herself into fights, hoping that if she can use her body to help other people, it doesn't matter if it's broken in the process. Most days she's able to hold on to hope that one day she will look like most day most fucking hell most days she's able to hold on to hope that one day she will look again like the young woman she knows she is even when the rest of the world sees a tank of a man and while not traditionally an lgbtqia character i've still found her a fantastic outlet for exploring aspects of my gender my feelings towards it and my dysphoria and Alex has been an amazing tool in my arsenal. She's been a great help and a great joy for me personally. And she also means I get to say all of the snarky things that I'm thinking, but I'm too scared to say out loud. Now, for years, I was too scared to sit at a table and play an RPG with a character that I felt reflected aspects of me or my life. And it was through listening to podcasts like this that I felt emboldened with my friends, with my peers, to not just use computer RPGs, but to actually utilize the table and that safe space that we created together to help me explore and explain elements of my existence. And truly, tabletop role-playing games are an amazing place to be able to do exactly that. Plus, you get all of the loot. Just so much loot. Hello, my name is Victoria, and I am a member of the Magic Folk Actual Play 5th Edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I want to talk about my character that I play. His name is Bernan Ledsetter. He is a bard, and he is Pan, which is kind of not a big deal, but it is, I guess. It's just who he is. When I created Bernan, I was inspired by me having been a 25-year-old and not having fallen for They Might Be Giants any sooner. I'm sorry, I know the stands are like hardcore and they've been around for a long time, but I did get into They Might Be Giants last year when we were starting to build up our characters for the podcast, and so I got really inspired by like accordion playing, and I thought that it would be really funny to have a bard that played the accordion. So that's kind of the jumping off point. So one of the things that's kind of interesting about him is that he is a printmaker by trade and he didn't really want to go on the adventure, but he kind of got roped into it. I thought that it would be interesting to have a character that is not really the adventuring type having to blossom into that sort of role. Burden is also very important to me because I was inspired to draw on some of my experiences with neurodivergence uh, when I portray him. So I'm trying to create a character and, and perform as a character that has a fairly strong dose of anxiety. Even though I am drawing from my own direct experiences, I also try to handle it in a sensitive way. So that might be interesting to you if you're interested in seeing a tabletop RPG representation of a person who has some mental health struggles. Because that's something that maybe isn't so common when you're playing these heroes that are going off and fighting people, but I know that if I were dropped into a real world situation where I was having to fight things and hurt them, I would be very upset too, so. <laughs> 
I'm not going to lie, I have a lot of hand in the backstory and the world building for Magic Folk, and so it's kind of really gay because everything my hands touch turned gay. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry at all, in fact. I can't spoil what's going on in the current arc, but things really, uh, really start to ramp up. My shipper heart is aflame, and I'm so happy. Anyways, we would totally love it if you check out Magic Folk. You can find it on iTunes or magicfolk.buzzsprout.com or other podcast catcher apps. We have character voices and we have music that I contribute a good amount of. And I also like ha- own a real-life accordion that we got for this project. So you know we're serious about committing to the accordion bit. Uh, anyways, I think that I'm running out of time. Thank you so much. Um, check us out. Thank you. Bye. Hello, this is Theron. And all of my RPG characters are queer. But one of my favorites is Nat the Bear, who I play on Roll Like a Girl. Nat is a great sword-wielding gnome, and she studied for decades at the seminary before deciding to become a paladin of Tritherion, the god of individuality and many other things. She's the owner of the Alvesteria Defense Center, which is a tuition-free self-defense school for common people. Nat is Arrow Ace, however, or maybe not however, but she's in a queer platonic relationship with her business partners, Kevin and Gabe. She would do literally anything for her boys, and leaving them behind as she heads into danger breaks her heart every time. Hey, this is Kendall from the Redemption Podcast, and I just wanted to quickly talk about my character, Corel, who I play in the Redemption Podcast. She has been my character now for going on almost three years at this point, and as part of her backstory, she was a Jedi Padawan. So the Jedi Order doesn't really teach, you know, attachments, let alone love. So one of the salient points in her backstory is when she was 15, she was in love with another Twi'lek Padawan, and she and this other Padawan got kind of caught, for lack of a better term, and the two girls were kind of forced to separate or leave the Jedi Order. Corel at that point chose to distance herself from a lot of emotion, uh, unfortunately not quite enough. Uh, when her master was killed later on and she left the Jedi Order, it was very emotion-related. So Corel kind of grew up and saw how bad attachments could be, so she's been pretty asexual for the past dozen years or so. Now that she's kind of moving on and has been with the crew of the Kralitz Fang for over a year now at this point, she's not been looking for relationships, but I've been talking with our GM Chris and I think something's going to happen at some point. I don't know when, I told him it's completely up to him, but yeah, there may be another girl in Kral's future, you never know. So we'll just have to see. If you want to check out Corel's backstory and where it's going in the future, you can find us at redemptionpodcast.com. If you'd like to show your support for queer role players, check out Becca Farrow's D20 Pride Dice enamel pins. A link is in the show notes. If you'd like to show your love for D&D and the LGBTQ plus communities, there are six days to go in the Wizards of the Coast fundraiser for Lambert House. I'm not associated with the fundraiser in any way, but I think it's fantastic. Link in the show notes. Notable mentions of shows I never get tired of hearing that also have queer representation include Character Creation Cast, God's Fall, Swallows of the South, Heroes Not Included, Dice for Brains, and Party of One. Finally, I want to hear your stories. Tweet about your favorite LGBTQ plus 
RPG characters using the hashtag HearOurStories. Thanks for listening, and happy Pride!